0: Yes, thank you very much to the worship team. You're doing a great job. So yes, today, Pentecost Sunday, and we think about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what he did two thousand years ago, and what he continues to do uh, in many parts of the world today, uh, stirring in the hearts of people, drawing them. Uh, Out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. And so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. When we think about um, what the Lord Jesus was involved in. When Jesus walked this earth... He was keenly interested in what God was doing. Every day, he wanted to track what his heavenly Father was up to. He was intentional on a daily basis of uh, observing what it was that the Father was doing. And so I begin with John chapter 5, verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, Pick up your mat and walk. And at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always working to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it moreover the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him and so yes jesus says in john 5:19 i can do nothing precisely nothing on my own. I can only do what I see the Father doing. Every day during his three-and-a-half-year ministry on earth, Jesus was thinking about, praying about, pondering what it was the Father was doing and how he needed to fit into that. Every day he was mulling over what it was that the father was doing and and giving thought as to how he could best fit in with what his father was doing. He did nothing on his own. He did only what he saw the father doing. It was the modus operandi of Jesus while he was engaged in his three-and-a-half-year ministry. What is it that my father is doing? Okay, okay. Now I see it. I see what the Father is doing, and so I'm going to join him. I'm going to work with him in what he is doing. A few examples. In uh, Luke chapter 7, we have uh, the story of the Roman centurion who sends some of the elders of the Jews to Jesus because he's very concerned about his servant who is deathly sick. He wanted Jesus to come and heal his servant. So the elders of the Jews added, Jesus, you really should seriously consider uh, this request of this Roman centurion because he's just an all-around good guy. He's such a fine person that he built a synagogue for us Jews. He loves our nation so much, he, he built this synagogue for us. And, and there's not many Roman centurions who will do something like that. So, so Jesus, you've you got to help him out. So, Jesus goes toward the centurion's house. He's not far from his residence when the centurion sends friends out to meet Jesus. They say to him, uh, Jesus, the centurion says this I am not worthy. For you to come to my house. But if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. Because I too am a man who has authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes, and this one, do this, and he does it. And the scripture says Jesus was amazed, stunned when he heard it. This kind of faith this caliber of faith I haven't seen in all of Israel. And Jesus immediately sensed that this was the father at work. And so at that moment, the servant was healed. Next chapter, Luke 8. We have the story of the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 long years... She had this bleeding problem. She desperately wants to be healed. big group of people uh, crowding around Jesus. And the woman thinks, you know, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I can be healed. And so she, she weaves her way through the crowd and slips by this person on the, on the right and, and slides by that person, inches by that, and gets really close to Jesus and then uh, reaches down and touches the hem of, her, hem of his garment, uh, feels herself being healed, and then she quickly disappears back into the crowd. Who touched me? Jesus asked the question, who touched me? And you can imagine the disciples saying, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. You know There are hundreds of people around and pushing and shoving and wanting to get close to you and wanting to get healing you. You can't be asking, who touched me? No, no, no. I felt dunamis, power, going out from me. And then the woman realizes that She's not going to be able to get away with her uh, miracle done under the radar in secret. She comes forward, she tells her story, and Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, in that situation, also, Jesus knew that his father was doing something because that was a passive miracle. Jesus himself was not actively involved in healing that woman. It was the Father that healed that person, and Jesus knew he felt power going out from him, and so he knew that there was a story behind it, and so he wanted to find out the story of what the Father was doing. Third example, Syrophoenician woman. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus was tired. He had been ministering to many people in Genezareth, and he wanted to get off by himself. The scripture says that he and his disciples withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He wasn't looking for any ministry opportunities. He wanted some rest and or a prayer retreat away from the crowds, but then all of a sudden this woman shows up crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, my daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus does not answer her a word, it was a cold response. But this woman was persistent. And so the disciples say, Jesus, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. But then Jesus' next response is very cold. Colder than winter in Saskatchewan. (laughs) He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so... I'm not ministering to any Canaanites or Syrophoenicians or any other people group. I'm focused on the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just Jews. And so this serves as a notice to all others. Sorry, Gentiles, don't come looking to me for a miracle. Well, this woman is nothing if not persistent. She knows that Jesus is capable of healing her daughter she comes and she kneels before Jesus. And she says, Lord, please help me. A genuine appeal, a from-the-heart request. But Jesus is still unmoved. And he says to this woman, kneeling in front of him, begging for help, he says to her, it is not right to take the children's bread, and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. You can imagine Peter pulling Jesus aside and saying, uh, Jesus, I understand you're not going to heal uh, this woman's daughter, but you need to be more socially aware. You need to be more politically Correct. It's not a good idea to call this woman a dog, especially when we're in Canaanite territory. And how does this woman respond? You calling me a dog, that's very disgusting, very insulting, disrespectful. I'm out of here. She doesn't say that. Her response is very self-effacing. Yes, Jesus, but even the dogs get a few scraps of the bread that's thrown underneath the table. Now that gets Jesus' attention. All of a sudden, he realized that this was God, his Father, at work. And whenever God was at work, Jesus was ready to work as well. And Jesus, amazed, said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. The demon has left your daughter. Now Jesus was thinking, you know, I'm tired. I'm in Gentile territory here. I'm not doing any miracles here. All I'm interested in is getting some rest. God had other plans. And this is great application for us today as well. Every day we need to be observing what it is that the Father is doing. What is God doing? What is God doing in in our family of believers? How is God at work in our immediate families? Um, how is He going to be at work here soon through Vacation Bible School? Uh, How is God at work? That applies to today, June 5, tomorrow, June 6. Henry Blackaby picks up on this when he says in his book, Experiencing God, God is always at work around us. For each one of us, God is at work in our personal lives. In the life of our spouse, in the lives of our friends, and the lives of our children, and the lives of others in the church family, and the lives of people in our community, in the lives of people that we rub shoulders with at work. God is always at work around us. And it's our responsibility to pick up on that, to be thinking about it, and to be pondering what should our response be? to what God is doing. I want to go back and pick up on one of the things that Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman. He said to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now it's interesting that he made a similar statement to his disciples when he sent them out on a short-term ministry assignment. Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. Do, do not go to the Gentiles or anywhere among the Samaritans. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was a short-term ministry assignment. Whether that lasted three weeks or three months, we don't know. But he deliberately restricted their outreach to only the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now that changed after his death and his resurrection. After he arose on Easter Sunday, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, All power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1, verse 8, he says to his disciples, you shall receive power on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And yes, the Holy Spirit was a huge factor in where to go on outreach, on outreach, His second missionary journey, Paul travels with Silas to modern-day Turkey. They visit the town of Derbe and then Lystra. In Lystra, they meet Timothy for the first time, and the locals speak well of Timothy, and so Paul invites him to join them as they travel around on his second missionary journey. They travel to a number of towns, and they plant churches, and it says that the churches grew daily in number. Then the three of them travel further west to the region of Phrygia and Galatia and they preach the gospel and they plant some more churches. But, says the scripture, they were kept by the Holy Spirit from entering the province of Asia. Then, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter the region of Bithynia. But somehow or other, the Holy Spirit communicated to them, no, don't go there. And at that point, Paul was asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go to preach the gospel? And then that night, or the following night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia who was saying, come on over to Macedonia and help us. He was begging Paul, please come to Macedonia and help us. And the next morning you can imagine Paul saying to Silas and Timothy, you guys ever heard of Europe? Uh, No, never heard of Europe. Well, that's where we're going. Uh, Last night in a dream, uh, I saw a man from Macedonia uh, beckoning us, come on over. And help us. And so the three of them cross over into Macedonia and they plant churches in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Corinth. And wow, Europe responds favorably to the gospel, big time. 700 years later, Boniface reaches out to Dutch people with the gospel for the first time. Now, initially, the Dutch were very resistant, very stubborn. Go figure, right? Dutch people, stubborn. In fact, they were so vehemently opposed to the gospel message that they killed this missionary, Boniface. But eventually, the Dutch embraced the gospel and later they endured much Persecution for the sake of Christ. Now it's interesting that Paul, Silas, Timothy had to seek the leading of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go next? What do you want us to do next? And the Holy Spirit somehow or other communicated to Paul and the others that they were not to go to the province of Asia. They were not to go to the region of Bithynia, and so for one or two or three days, they just stayed put, wondering where they were to go next. They were perplexed. And then Paul has this vision of the man from Macedonia, inviting them to come on over and help. And so, yes, it takes thinking, it takes prayer, it takes pondering to respond to the leading of the Spirit and today also we need to be intentional about seeking the leading of the Spirit how he is working and to respond accordingly and so the question before us is what is it that the Father is doing what is God doing in our lives personally how is the Holy Spirit working in this body of believers here at Community Rose Lawn. What is God doing through our organization, Pacific Island Ministries? We've got a total of three missionaries. uh, My spouse, myself, and Doug Heidema, who is Penny's brother-in-law, and we have about 50 Papua New Guineans on staff. About 40 of those are teachers um, in these various elementary schools. In 1978, the Lord led Penny's parents to leave Wycliffe Bible Translators in Papua New Guinea and to form this new organization, Pacific Island Ministries because local people were were saying, hey, uh, we need help in the area of education. There aren't nearly enough schools around uh, in many parts, especially in the interior. And so uh, please give us some help with respect to education in the English language and, and or in the Melanesian pidgin language. And so they did. They got an elementary school started in Ambunti, uh, Neil and Martha's daughter Leah was just married then, uh, newly married to Doug and Heidema. The, Doug Heidema, they joined Neil and Martha in 1978 Penny and I first came alongside in 1980 through 1985. In October of 2018, by that time, Penny's parents had both passed away. They were aged 90 and 92, and so now it's just the three of us uh, that were left. Now, back in 2006, I heard about a new program in Papua New Guinea in the public schools, religious education, uh, mandated for all the public schools in PNG. And so now, uh, as I speak now, there are some seven books that have been written by PIM staff people that are currently being used for religious education in the public high schools. And with more and more high schools in PNG, Looking into this every year, exploring the possibilities. And it's amazing what the Lord is doing. Um, so, meanwhile, we're working with the principals. Uh, we do a lot of traveling around the country and meet with the principals of the biggest high schools. And we show them the books. And so then they consider whether to be using these books for religious education. It's amazing how God has used uh, the Holy Spirit in the Christian Reformed Church, especially when we think about uh, international missions. Think about the work in Nigeria, in Africa, of Christian Reformed World Missions, now known as Resonate. Um, I talked with uh, Ruth Veldkamp here a couple of years ago on how the Lord has used uh, Christian Reformed world missions. Um, 101 years ago, in 1921, Johanna Veenstra began her work in eastern Nigeria among the Hausa-speaking people. And about how many people now are worshipping among the Hausa The figure is well over 100,000 people. And then there's a Teve-speaking church. It was started by the Reformed Church of South Africa some 70 or 80 years ago. And then the 1960s came along and the apartheid that had been practiced in South Africa uh, was no longer appreciated at all by the people of Nigeria. And so the Teve Church in Nigeria said goodbye to the Reformed Church of South Africa and instead invited Christian Reformed World Missions to work with them. And so the church among the Teve uh, has grown rapidly, so by at least 100,000. And then thirdly, Ruth Veldkamp herself Worked in Nigeria initially with the Teev and then with the Imani body of believers, and now that group has grown so that it is well over a hundred thousand people. And so, what the Lord has been doing through uh, Christian Reform World missions in Nigeria uh, exceeds the size of the Christian Reform Church in North America. In Revelation. 3, verse 8, Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. And I believe that he's saying the same thing to the church in Papua New Guinea today and in many parts of the world where there's a terrific response to the gospel. I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. And please pray for us that we would walk through that open door so that the lives of many high school students in PNG can be impacted. Father God, we come before you this day. We are thankful that we have been called by you and we have found life in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit and how that Holy Spirit brought about transformation back 2,000 years ago while Paul and Silas and Timothy traveled throughout uh, areas of Asia Minor and Europe and for the churches that were planted. We thank you how that Holy Spirit is working in marvelous ways today, whether areas in Latin America, or in Africa, or in Asia, or in Papua New Guinea, we thank you for the response to the gospel. Thank you for the role that uh, we can play as a body of believers here at Community Rose Lawn, and so we pray, Lord, that you would use the upcoming Vacation Bible School. Lord, as we reach out to those in the community, and uh, yes, thank you for the support of missions on this church, and whether it's outreach in Zambia or Papua New Guinea or other places, Uh, we pray that you would build your kingdom here, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.